Hallelujah. While you're standing, let's go to the word of the Lord, Psalm 58. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 in your reading, your hearing as well, and get into the word. While you're turning, glad to have my daughter home. Amen. Surprise weekend visit. Wish I could have seen more of her, but it was at the Fivefold Conference, but glad she was able to spend time with mom and her aunt and the dogs and Paul and all that other good stuff. Amen. Her uh, future husband has influenced her to the point she now has a cardinal symbol on her car, you know, and so it's just, it's, wow, my goodness, have mercy. But I guess I kind of like the cardinals too, so, you know, it's all right. It's all right. But you ever, don't ever stop being a Patriots fan, okay? Hallelujah. You remember, I'm your dad. <laughs> Glad to have the Underwoods here pastoring down in Louisiana and up visiting this weekend. Thank you for being with us today. We bless and honor you. Let's give them a good round of applause for being here, serving the kingdom of God, pastoring, amen. And all of you, thank you for being here. And those of you joining us online, thanks for understanding with the weather. We really weren't for sure what was going to happen. And, and you know, uh, north and west got a whole lot more snow in the Omaha metro than south and east did. And just kind of a strange way to, you know, have a crazy storm, and, you know, hopefully this is the last for about 100 years <laughs> till Jesus comes, you know, whichever happens first. But uh, alas, thank you for working with us and understanding, and I'm glad we could still meet at least partially in person uh, today. So Psalm 58, uh, verses 10 and 11, the righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judges in the earth. And I want to preach for just a few minutes on this subject, the righteous shall rejoice. Amen. Lord Jesus, this is your church, not mine. You and your word alone can save, deliver, and heal. You know every need, every struggle, every issue, every person. Your word is anointed and appointed for this moment. So now on the authority of your word and on the authority of your name, Jesus, I bind every spirit of hindrance and loose your anointing and your spirit to fill this place. For without you, we are nothing. So let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power. Confirm your word with signs following. Let me walk in your spirit and not my flesh. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. amen. You may be seated. There is an inseparable connection that exists between a person's character and their conduct. The former is the source of the latter. Some people claim that a leader's private life does not matter and that we should only be concerned with his or her public performance. But what a leader is on the inside will always show up externally. This is the reality of the focus of Psalm 58, another mictum psalm. And real quickly, if you remember, recall, mictum psalms are those which are to be engraved forever. They also point to and prophesy the resurrection of Jesus. This psalm is also a lamenting type of psalm with righteous anger about corrupt leaders who lord it over God's people. It is a passionate prayer that David prays that God would judge those corrupt judges and right the wrongs of those who have suffered at their hands. David cries out against injustice that is in the earth during 
His day and His time. His earnest plea is that God would devastate and destroy these ungodly rulers who have harmed the righteous, who have perverted justice. He is confident that God will eventually punish all wrongdoers and reward the righteous. So, as we look at this and we see David's prayer and we see how this can point to the ultimate judgment of the Lord when he returns and of course his resurrection because if he's going to return that means he had to have resurrected he died and rose again how do we then answer the injustices that we face today in our society how do we deal with such things where do we find hope when humanity spreads lies and prejudices throughout society in our schools and on our streets what do we say regarding uh, those who can uh, hire an entire firm of eternity, attorneys, if you will, and receive little to no punishment for their crime. What do we do when we're faced with the injustice and we hear about believers who are persecuted, finding themselves in prison? What do we do in a world that is polluted by all of this negativity? And in such dark hours, the answer is this. We must call on God to exalt Himself and shine through His church. Can I tell you that what this world needs is a church that is united. The world is divided and she needs a united church who is filled up with the love of God, who will love people, who will reach for people who will shine a light in this dark world. Can I tell you plainly and boldly, don't give in to the voice of fear. Don't give in to the voices of humanism. Don't give in to these voices, but rather be the light that God has called you to be. Be the salt that God has called you to be. And let's see the Lord make a difference in our communities. Because of its strict call for judgment and even death of its enemies. Psalm 58 can also be classified as what's called an imprecatory psalm. When, when the psalmist wants God to judge his enemies. And it's hard sometimes for us to understand those psalms. Because we're in the New Testament. And we hear Jesus saying pray for your enemies and love them. And so when we read these types of psalms or preach from them. Uh, you know our flesh wants to rise up and say yeah kill them all Lord. Line them up and rack them down you know. But, but our, our spirit says oh no God there's an eternity. And save them and help them and bring them oh Lord to your mercy. Amen? Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies, to love them. And so we, we learn from this psalm what we can do as, as it points to his coming. Since he's coming, since he rose, amen, and is coming back, we know that he is going to judge the world, and we don't want anyone to be judged and, and forever spend eternity without Jesus. This psalm particularly, I just, I just want to hit a few highlights of it as, as it points to uh, Jesus and his resurrection and his second coming. But Saul here is ungodly in, in David's life. And this is what David is writing about. Saul led the nation down a path of political and spiritual ruin. He disobeyed God's word and God's law. Uh, he, even though he was God's uh, anointed king, he lost that. And then he tried to oppose the one God was anointing to become King David. 
flatterers surrounded Saul and fed his ego and catered to his foolish whims. Saul put people in places of authority who used their offices for personal gain and not for the good of the nation of Israel. They wanted to get as much as they could before the kingdom collapsed. This is why you find that when these men align with David, they're in distress, they're in debt, and they're discontented due to Saul's uh, uh, jealousy of David, due to his, his walking away. He didn't inquire at, at the Ark of the Covenant. He didn't even want the Ark of the Covenant. He didn't try to get it back. David did that under his reign. And so confident in God's vindication of the righteous, David's prophetic understanding uh, is, becomes a comfort to, uh, as he faces this reality. It's, a, it's also a comfort to us to know that God will judge the earth. That's why he ends this psalm saying he is a God who judges the earth. Amen. Now, that's a comforting reality for the righteous. Amen. Because we do know there are injustices. But it should also cause us to feel just a sting of, of intercession in our spirit. Just a, a sting of travail. Because until that last trumpet sounds, there are people lost, dying apart from God. And we don't want people to die in that state. We want them to find the mercy and grace of God. We want them to find His hope. My Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. In this psalm, there's an identity crisis as three times when the temptation to take matters into his own hands plagued David. Three times he could have taken Saul's life. In one of those instances, Saul cut off the cord of Saul's garment. If you don't understand what that means in the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew men uh, around their their, their uh kind of a longer shirt, it would hang to just about their, their knees, and, and below that, on, on four corners, the front and the back, uh, uh, four places would hang this cord, and it had five knots tied into it, and the four spaces, and the five knots represented the five books of Moses, and the four spaces represented the name of God, YHVH, the Tetragrammaton, and so it was literally the word and name of God, it was a way for them to wear that, to, to know that, to, to express that, it was also a way if you saw that you knew that was a Jew, that's how the Samaritans uh, could tell them apart, because they would see them wearing that, and that's one of the things David had cut off, I remember when I was in Israel, our guide mentioned that to us, and he said, could it be that David realized he can't cut uh, Saul off from God and his word? Only God can do that because of what it represented. And so can I tell you, be careful with your judgment of people. That's not in my notes. I'm just going to throw that out there because I feel it in my spirit to just throw that out. Be careful when you judge people. Because if you cut them off from God, you're taking the place of God. Let God judge them. Let, the Bible says let the wheat and tear grow up together. And, and, the, and the vineyard owner there knew that if you rip up the tares, you'll actually destroy the wheat as well. In other words, he said, let them grow up and I'll handle it when the harvest is time. When I, when I get ready to bring them into the harvest, I'll have the wheat put into my barns and I'll have the tares stacked out there and burnt. Let God handle judgment. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Well, amen. Boy, this is, how in the world is this a, a, a pre-Easter message? Well, we're getting there. Just hang with me, okay? I, I got my notes. I know where I'm going. Okay? 
Trust my GPS, God's positioning system. <laughs> Amen? Jesus was born. He lived. He died, was buried, rose again, and ascended. And just like he ascended in the clouds, he is returning again. And when he returns, he will bring judgment. But right now, there's mercy. Right now, there's grace. Right now, there's hope. Listen, friends, when that trumpet sounds, all hope, mercy, and grace stop. And so we pray, and we long, and we reach, and we hope, and we intercede so that people are saved before that moment, so that they're judged righteously before that moment, so that they're justified before that moment and sanctified in God's spirit. Amen? I'm thankful that he forgave me. I'm thankful that I was buried in his name in baptism. I'm thankful, amen, that his spirit fills me and redeems me and makes me righteous in his presence because without that, I'm of all men most miserable and I have no hope. And can I tell you that although there have been Saul's throughout the Bible, although there have been Cain's throughout the Bible and Jezebel's throughout the Bible and Demas's who forsake God throughout the Bible, can I tell you there's always a remnant of people that are hungry. There's always a Seth that'll call on the name of the Lord. There's always a Noah that'll look up and find grace in the eyes of the Lord. There's always going to be an Abraham and Sarah that faithfully obey and believe God. There's going to be a Joseph that forgives his brothers. There's going to be a Rahab that even though she's a harlot, repents and sees her family saved. There's going to be a Ruth who says, I'm leaving Moab and your God's going to be my God. There's going to be an Esther that'll fast and pray for her people. There's going to be a Daniel that doesn't defile himself. There's going to be some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednego's that say, we're not bowing. We're going to stand. There's going to be some people that'll say, I want Jesus. Hallelujah. And there's going to be people that'll come to a Philip and say, sir, we would see Jesus. Tell us about this one. Hallelujah. And so God, help us to be ready to reach them with the hope of his message so that when he does judge righteous, they're not a part of the wicked who are judged according to their wickedness, but that they have found themselves bathed in the blood. Isn't it interesting to me, and it should be to you, I suppose, but it's interesting to me that in verse 10 he says that he shall wash the feet, he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. I would much rather be washed in his blood than for my wicked blood to be how he washes his feet. Do you see the contrast there? By the way, that's a direct prophecy of Armageddon. If you, if you dig into the Hebrew and all that, that's literally pointing to that moment when he treads out the, the Bible says he will tread out the wine press. Tread means to walk. Treading out the wine press is like the, the grapes. You're, they, they would step on them, and, and of course the grapes would, would squish, and obviously the juice would come out. Literally, he's going to tread through the blood of the wicked. That's what it's saying there. I would much rather be covered by his blood than for my blood to be the wicked that he treads on. Does that make sense? And that's, that's the essence of what I'm preaching here to you today is that, yes, the righteous rejoice. We rejoice that there's hope. We rejoice that there's judgment. And we will rejoice on that day at his eternal and righteous judgment. And he has to judge righteously else. He has to judge wickedness because otherwise he's not a righteous God. 
Amen. And so how do we then apply this psalm to us today? How do we, how do we make it fit our reality? Well, I hope I've, I've explained some of that to you already in my heart. But today we have, to, we have to understand that God is calling the church to travail. When Zion travails, she brings forth birth. God is calling the church to weep with those that weep. God is calling us to hurt. God is calling us to reach people and, and to be a safe place where they can come and find refuge. Listen, when they walk through those doors, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what they've done, who they've done it with. I don't care who they identify as. If they walk through that door looking for hope and healing, we need to provide hope and healing so that they can feel that there's something different, there's something authentic, there's something special about Jesus. Come on, every one of us can look back in our past and realize had it not been for the grace of God, I would not be here. And so help me to look on other people and see his grace. Amen. Not their sin, not their past, not their hopelessness. It is Satan who is an imitator who can only see our past. That is why he is an accuser of the brethren. But it is God who is the creator, who can see our future and declare what we shall be. So help us when we see people not to see who they are, not to see the past, where they've been from, but to look into their future with the eyes of Jesus and see the hope and the healing and the deliverance. Hallelujah. We need to be a place that provides safe connections. You're going to start hearing that term more and more. My wife, I don't know, a few months ago, got a book, and she is digesting that book, marking it, and however she does with her stuff, just page after page. I, I don't say this to sound funny or rude, but daily I hear about what she's uh, getting from this as she puts it into practice as well. And I've started reading it myself and putting it into practice. And, and can I tell you that what this world needs is a safe place where they can connect. Let's let God do the righteous judging. Okay? Can I just say this and, 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 and not sound rude? Can you let me be the bishop and the pastor and do some of the judging if there needs to be judging? And can you just help me love people and be a safe place where they can find hope, where they can find healing, where they can bring their heartache and their habits and their hang-ups and their hurts and say, I don't know what to do with this, but I, I feel something in this place. And, and if you'll just pray for me, come on, can we be that kind of a place? Oh, Hallelujah. Growing up, I don't know if I should admit this or not. Alas, here we go. One of my favorite comics was The Punisher at comic books. And I liked The Punisher because he seemed to vindicate those people that didn't get justice. But I've learned as I've gotten older and wiser and sold all them comic books. Probably should have kept some of them. I'd probably be a millionaire by now, but oh well. Alas, I didn't. But... I've realized that's not God's way. It's not my job to be the punisher and to go find justice for those who have been denied it. Listen, if you have been denied justice, whether it's in the court system or, or in, in some racial matter or whatever, 
I, I do weep with you. I seriously hurt with you. And I wish I had some way to wave some sort of magic wand and, and cause it to stop. I, I do. And so when I tell you that I pray for you, please don't think that that's just, you know, empty words. I'm not just throwing a few platitudes your way. That's all I know to do when some of these things happen. Oh, God, I know they've been hurt. I know they've been discouraged. So I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to validate what they're going through. But I'm also going to point them to you who is the righteous judge you can't be bribed you can't be bought and there will come a day when you will judge all things righteously and I believe in those moments where hope and healing is offered that people can also find ways to forgive and 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 many of you have been able to say I forgive those who've hurt or unjustly done something to you and what a testimony that is when you can free yourself from that and say they're in God's hands I forgive them that's kind of like what Stephen prayed Lord lay not this sin to their charge in other words don't call me as a witness I plead the fifth you judge them if you want to but as far as I'm concerned I forgive that's that's hard it's not it's easy to read those verses it's easy to to say it when you're preaching a message and all but it's harder to do it and I get that if we'll just be a place of safe connection, we'll be able to get there. While I'm on the subject, let me just say this. All of us are not at the same place. We're in the same church. We're in the same body, but not all at the same place. So you know what that means? Brother Matt, can you jump out? I'll use you real quick. Let's just say that for sake of argument, I'm going to walk a little bit faster than you, okay? You just kind of walk a little bit slower. Let's just say that I'm in my journey a little bit further than Mac is, okay? The, the last thing you need to be doing is turning around and saying, oh, I'm ahead of that guy. But maybe, maybe if you're ahead of the Macs in your life, maybe what you need to do is step back a little bit and say, hey, brother, anything I can help you with here? Not that you're trying to speed them up, but maybe if you help them, maybe they've got a limp, Maybe there's something that, that, that is slowing them down, and maybe if you help them, they might be able to walk just a little bit better. And Is it two better than one? Right? Brother, come here. Get on this other side. Isn't, isn't a threefold cord not too quickly broken? And, and so maybe, maybe if, if instead of looking back saying, well, he ain't caught up yet. I don't know what's wrong with him. He needs to be praying through Maybe instead if we just, hey, can I help you, brother? Can I walk with you on this journey? Come on. Threefold cords not too quickly broken. Because when the enemy comes against any one of us, now guess what? There's two others of us to help protect. Thank you, gentlemen. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And so let's provide that for people. Let's do that remembering where we were. And what he's brought us out of. Amen. It's not a competition. When he says run this race, it's not just one of us are going to win. That's it. Thank God for that. I'd probably lose. I tried running the aisles one time and, well, some of you know that story. You know, I was thinking something the other day. I ran the aisles, Sister Alicia, and I. 
they, they elected me the next year to be superintendent. Maybe I should run the aisles and they won't elect me this year. I'm just teasing. Not really. Anyway, I might lose if it was a race where one wins. But since it's a journey, mm. see, it's not a competition. So instead of trying to compete with each other, let's complete each other. Right? I mean, after all, you know, one part of the body can't say to another part of the body, I don't need you. We need each other. Amen. Psalm 58 accurately prophesies the second coming of Jesus Christ when he'll judge the earth. That means, of course, it obviously would then prophesy his birth and life and death, burial and resurrection. And since he's coming back, that reality should convict us today to be ready. Because in that judgment hall, there will be no appellate court to overturn the judgment that Jesus makes. There will be no attorneys to say, objection, your honor. When he judges the earth, he will judge it alone as the judge, jury, and executioner. He alone is the righteous judge. He alone can judge morally and purely. And so if you think you're angry over the injustices and the hurts and all of these things I've mentioned today, imagine how much more enraged the righteous judge of the whole earth must be enraged with the wicked that runs rampant every day. The Bible says, in fact, that he has prepared his throne for judgment and will judge the world in his righteousness. It's not there yet. He himself is holding his judgment back. He himself is saying, I'm going to be merciful one more day, one more time. And if God is being merciful, who could end everything with the snap of his finger, then we too must understand he calls us to be merciful. Amen. God sees the world's sin, the mistreatment, the injustice, and prejudice. And when judgment day arrives, everyone will reap what they've sown. So if we've sown to carnality or to Christ, we will reap what we've sown. Let me just interject something real quick here for you. I'm going to tell you how easy it is to make sure you're on the right path. In Romans 5, or 8, excuse me, 8 verse 5, and I won't quote it perfectly, but, but the essence is that uh, those that set their minds on the things of the Spirit will do the things of the Spirit. Those that set their minds on the things of the flesh will do the things of the flesh. Notice, though, the impetus is where are you setting your mind on? And so if we can provide safe connections where people can learn how to set their mind on the, on the Spirit things, the godly things, guess what's going to happen? That's what they're going to do. They're going to go in that direction. They're going to lean in that direction. But if you're setting your mind over here, that's the direction you're going to go. Not much has changed since the writing of Psalm 58, except that Jesus Christ came, died, rose again, and is bringing new life. And so since he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should repent, then let's choose wisely where we will spend eternity and where we want others to spend eternity. I don't want to be in heaven alone. 
The resurrection of Jesus proves he has power over everything and everyone. Forty days after his resurrection, he ascended, bringing the purpose of his coming, his first coming, to an end. And when he returns, the Bible says he will not come to bring salvation, but he will come to judge and rule the earth. So we need to be born again, John 3, 5, of the water and the spirit. And we know that is done, and we see it in the book of Acts, chapter 2, 8, 9, etc., Amen. The Word of God is living and active. It is the same Word of God that judges us now mercifully, but will judge us righteously at the end of the world. It is His constitution. Amen. We will all have to give an account to to God. So don't let your circumstances dictate your actions. Amen. Be sure to pray for the strength and the courage to forgive your enemies and obey God's word. It's more than just being born again and coming to church and somebody taking attendance, check marking you. Amen. It's it's being the church daily. Why? For surely there is a reward for the righteous and surely he is a God who judges in the earth. Jesus had to die and become flesh, live and die and rise again in order to overcome sin. And that he did, amen, gives him the right to judge the whole earth. Praise God. The hope of the resurrection then for the righteous is that we will see all injustice avenged when he comes again to redeem the righteous and pour his wrath upon the wicked. So the question is, will you be ready? When Jesus comes. And will you have planted seed and watered it. And if God give the increase to it. So that others can come with you. Well. Hopefully today. There's some of you who are convicted. Not condemned. Convicted. See conviction and condemnation are similar. They both start with C. They both end with shun. Right? But conviction, and actually they both will point out wrong. The difference is this. Conviction says, hey, you're doing this and it's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. And Come on, you need to change how you're thinking on that. But it's giving you the way out. It also shows you a way out. It shows you how to think better, what to do better. It, it, it says, hey, there's the exit door. That's the way out of the problem. Condemnation just says, you're hopeless. You're a bad person and leaves you hanging. Bible calls it this, you know, you have, you have the, the sorrow that leads to repentance, that's conviction, or the, 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 the sorrow that leads to grief, the, the, the worldly sorrow. Well, that's condemnation. So I hope you're convicted today. If you're not baptized in the name of Jesus, I hope that you will talk to me or one of the pastors and say, hey, I want to get baptized today. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, I, I pray that God fills you with it today as you, as you come and worship him in just a minute. So today, is there anyone who wants to see their lost loved one, friend, neighbor, relative, coworker, classmate, saved?